785 Magazine is proud to present KSEF Digital Radio, Topeka, Kansas. That's the thing you're listening to right now. And we're celebrating everything local and everything Topeka. Learn more at 785live.com. And thanks for tuning in. Government. We all know it's important to understand, be it state, local or national. But doesn't the thought of it just make you want to, well, drink? If so, you're in the right place. I'm Angel Romero, your politics and pints aficionado, and this is Ballots and Brews, where we'll talk all things local beer while also diving into what in the world is happening at the local, state, and national government and what you can do about it. It's Schoolhouse Rocks meets the Daily Show meets C-SPAN, so let's get this show started. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Ballots and Brews. As always, we have a great show ahead for you tonight. We are super, super pumped um, that we have city manager Brent Trout on the show with us tonight. You may be wondering, what exactly does the city manager do? Uh, we'll be talking with him about that and much, much more. Um, but first, as always, we are going to start off our night with beer and local beer. And so we are so thrilled to have uh, with us uh, the talk of the town tonight. Uh, we have have uh, Joanna Becker, general, general manager of the Burger Stand, with us. Joanna, thanks for joining us tonight. Hey, thank you so much for asking me. I'm so glad to be here. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I mentioned you guys are, are the talk of the town moving to uh, a new location. And so we definitely want people to, yes. uh, to know about that. Um, and so, you know, as we, we get started off, first, congrats on, on making that move. I, I know you all are, are just kind of getting settled in there. Yeah, thank you so much. It has been quite the endeavor. Um, I'm sure. We are <laughs> we are um, really excited about our new location, and we're glad to have most of the move finished with. We're just in our remodeling stage now, so um, the closer that we can open up to the public, the better for us. Absolutely. And, you know, I say new location, so do you want to remind people where you guys have moved to? Oh, sure. Yeah. So we are actually at um, in the Brookwood Shopping Center. The address is 2833 Southwest. 29th Street. Um, it's in the Brookwood Shopping Center at 29th and Oakley. We are just west of Dillon. Um, and this is a spot where the old golf hogs and pigskins used to be. So, yeah. and recently there's four guys. So, yeah. um, we're really grateful to be in this space. And I know a lot of people have really positive memories of being here and the past uh, restaurants that were here. So, um, but yeah, we're looking to kind of make this our own now. And, uh, yeah, we're really excited. Absolutely. Well, I was going to say that you're in some good company there. There's been some really great restaurants that have been there, uh, over time as well. So it seems to be a pretty, pretty blessed location when it comes to, to food. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And we're hoping to even, you know, um, incorporate that in some of our, um, menu items too. So. Oh, awesome. That's very cool. That sounds exciting for sure. Well, and you know, we make sure you guys have just made that move over there. So can you talk a little bit about timelines? So I know you guys are doing some uh, to go things kind of first um, before everything's all finalized for uh, dining scenes. So you want to talk to folks a little bit about what that timeline looks like? Oh, sure. Yeah. So right now we're only open from five to nine in the evenings. Uh, and we closed on Sundays. We're only doing uh, takeout. Um, and then that leaves us during the day where we can actually work on the remodel and getting everything situated and cleaned and, um, and then we're um, hoping sometime in April we open for lunch. 
Uh, we were hoping for April 1st. I don't know that we're going to make that at this point, but we are hoping uh, within a week, week or two afterwards, to be open for lunch. And then uh, we plan on May 1st being our big open for dine-in. And uh, we are so excited to have everybody uh, be able to come in here and see what we've done and uh, see kind of our the new burger stands. Um, it's going to be a little bit different than what we had over at College Hill. Um, and we love College Hill. We love that area. We love our, our restaurant there. Um, but this is going to be a little bit different. So it's going to be really, it's going to be a lot of fun. Sure. Well, yeah. And speaking of different, yeah, are there any plans or ideas you've got with that, that new space that you're looking forward to? Yeah. So we're going to have actually um, two areas that we can rent privately. Um, oh, okay. So if you remember in our old place, we had the Pong Bar, which we could uh, rent out to groups or events. And um, in this space, we actually have two spaces. Um, we will have an outdoor patio. Uh, we ha- will have two bars again. Uh, so we're awesome. actually making a bar in one of the far dining rooms. Um, yeah, so uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Very cool. I was going to say, yeah, it's a it's a different space for sure, but that's this. I think this creates some new opportunities. So having that, having those two private spaces um, available will be really great. Yeah, yes, especially around the holidays or um, graduations and everything, it can get really busy, and that also can cut down on the amount of public skating that we have available during those times. Oh, sure. And while the square footage is actually a little bit smaller over here, we're going to be able to seat more people. Oh, and, okay. um, I think the patio might be bigger. We're still waiting on word from that also. Sure. But, um, so yeah, we'll be able to fit more people in here. Um, we have a bigger bar in the front. So it's going to be pretty exciting. That's awesome. Well, and I think you yeah. are, are one of several businesses. It sounds like that Brookwood Shopping Center is kind of going through um, a little bit of an update there. So I think there's one or two uh, other businesses there that are kind of expanding and doing some work as well. Yeah. They, um, so, yeah, Soul Fire's moving a couple doors down. Right now, they're our neighbors. They've been the sweetest. Um, and then um, White Linen. No. That's the restaurant. Oh. The Linen Tree. <laughs> linen tree yeah. <laughs> the Linen Tree. I'm so sorry. The Linen Tree is actually expanding into where the Soul Fire is. So I think they're doubling their space. Oh, and wow. so we're really looking forward to uh, meeting with them also. But, yeah. It's been great coming over to uh, Brookwood Shopping Center, and um, you know it's all man or it's all local restaurants. Yeah. It's managed by a local company, real estate company, and um, the maintenance guy walked past the other day, and he said, "You know, in that little cove of yours where you're at, he's like they're all managed or owned by women." And I oh, thought wow. that was really cool. Yeah, I thought that was a really cool observation. Yeah, and so. hey, that is cool. Well, man, I can imagine. It sounds like there could be some real fun, especially over the summer there because you got all that the open area too. That sounds like a fun place to hang out on the patio and even have like a little little get together, a little party out there. Oh yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we'll have the patio area, and you know we're we're still looking to do a lot of the same events that we've had in the past, which has been um, live music, karaoke on Saturday night, um, beer dinners. Uh, uh, breweries coming in and being able to talk about their beer. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, so we're, yeah, maybe trivia. I'm not sure what we're doing yet. So <laughs> there's a lot of opportunities here and we are just so excited to get back open and have people in our restaurant. You know, it's, it's been a long time and, uh, you know, the, the COVID has just been really, um, stressful on restaurants and oh, sure. we're excited to, to get it back open and to see our customers and, and, uh, get back to having fun again. 
Absolutely. Well, and, you know, we should mention, too, so, of course, folks can stop by there and pick up their uh, takeout orders. And I think I saw online as well that I think you guys are doing delivery uh, as well. Yeah, so we're doing uh, delivery right now um, to kind of help us through. And then um, that's through Eat Street. Or okay. you can go to our website, uh, and you can actually order either um, – online or for a pickup or eat or delivery, excuse me. And it will take you to the respective website. But um, cool. or you're welcome to call. Um and then just stop by the store and uh you'll come into the foyer and then we have some great staff that's gonna be ready to help you. Oh, awesome. That's cool. So yeah, so you got you folks out there should know you know, you, know, you don't have to wait um until that April time to get your burger stand fixed. You can actually head over there uh right now on any of those evenings between five to nine or order from delivery. So it's exciting to know that we don't we don't have to wait that long to get our, our fix in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, we're ready. We've been people are really excited. We've had some really um sweet customers that have come through here and and uh you know, are just ready for us to be open and, and we match that excitement. Absolutely. Um, you know, in the past, you you kind of mentioned you've had different local breweries that come in. You guys have had different uh, local beer uh, on tap as well. I know Happy Bass and that sort of thing. Is that still the plan at the new location too? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we're actually um, um, we, we're going to plan to have um, – we always try to plan to have some local beers on tap no matter what. Um, and so, yeah, this will be a place where you can find local beer, local breweries, um, and even hopefully maybe having some in here. Um, we'll have to talk about that. But yeah, it's, uh, it's one of the things that we really pride ourselves on is, is having good beer and good local beer, you know, trying to showcase what we can do also. And so, um, the more we can, more we're able to talk about that, the more we can show it off to people, the better. For sure. Oh man, I tell you what, uh, with your guys' new location, 29th Street's going to become a pretty happening place because, you know, you can start at, at, uh, at Burger Stand and then you can just go down the road to, to Johnny's and then you can just keep going to Barrister's and the Happy Bassett. You can, you can have a lot of fun along yeah. 29th Street these days. Yeah, you can. Yeah. That's and awesome. We're all located within a couple miles of each other. So uh, yeah. That is, that is way cool, yo. It's good to see. Of course, I say this selfishly living out in that, that Toy First and Wanamaker area, yo. It's kind of cool to see some things, some local things coming to the south side of town, um, some more local options for folks. Yeah, especially in the Wanamaker scene where I feel like maybe a lot of it's chain restaurants. Yeah. Um, it's really nice to see a lot of uh, local businesses not only um, go into the southwest locations, but also do well in those locations. So we're really excited. Absolutely. That's very cool. Well, you know, anything else you should know? I know that um, online you've been talking about um, with, of course, the new location. There's some, some job opportunities you have open as well. Yeah. So we're actually hiring for all our positions right now um, cool. for the, our grand open. And so we are hiring for bar manager, bartenders, front of house, uh, front of house manager, and cook, uh, specifically line cook. So um, if you have some experience and uh, want to come work with us, there's several different ways you can apply. So one way is through Facebook jobs. Another way is come into the store and fill out a paper application and just uh, turn it back in or just give it to the people at the front or um, you can go to our website. Um, so you just Google the burger stand and then on the left-hand column under job, and I'll ask you to up- or upload a resume and okay. uh, you can send a message there. So, yeah. Awesome. 
Well, very cool. Well, there you go, folks. If you want to work for an awesome establishment um, and also earn uh, earn some good money while you're at, there's lots of ways for you to apply for uh, some new openings um, at this at this new location as well. Uh, Joanna, anything else that uh, folks should know before uh, we get out here tonight? No, I think that's pretty much all. Awesome. Um, yeah, no, we're really just excited to be open up, you know, having customers in our restaurant and drinking beer and having fun, uh, listening to music or doing, you know, whatever events that we're doing is really what we're about. And um, I also wanted to say that we really love uh, partnering, partnering with local uh, nonprofits. Um, sure. And so that um, if there are nonprofits out there that, um, that you'd like to work with us, please just uh, send us an email at Tika at Burger Stand Restaurant. Com. There's several that we've been working with in the past, um, and so we will be looking for to do some of those in the future. And um, so, yeah, we just awesome. really love being involved in the community and uh, having people in here. And we're so excited that soon, very soon, we'll be able to do that. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's perfect timing too, as you know, if hopefully our, our trend with COVID numbers keeps going, um, in the way it has and those numbers stay down and, and you know, more things can open up and people can be, uh, uh, move about more freely. You know, what, what better way to celebrate that than going to an awesome place like Burger Stand? So, so timing yeah. works out perfectly. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Well, folks, good. You know, that's a reminder at 5 to 9 p.m. Um, a day during the week there, uh, during the weekday time frame. Uh, feel free to stop by Burger Stand for your to-go order or order it um, online uh, for delivery or call in for uh, for delivery. And then be looking forward to uh, the time in April when you can head in there for lunch. And hopefully May 1st, looking forward to that big grand opening where we can all uh, hang out together down at the Burger Stand on 29th Street. Uh, Joanna, thanks again for stopping by tonight. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really glad to be here. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, well, folks, go ahead and stay tuned. We're going to be back right after this break with our roundup. And as always, there is a lot to talk about happening at the state and local levels of government. But uh, we'll be back with that right after the break. You're listening to Ballots and Brews here on KSF 75 Live Radio. Alrighty, folks, it is time for the Roundup, where we take a look at the latest happenings in our city, county, state, and local government. So we are going to start, like we always do, um, with the what's happening in Top City. So uh, we actually had, of course, no city council meeting this week. Um, it being the fourth week of the month it is a bye week for the city council. So um, no meeting this week. Uh, there do continue to be developments in the city council race. Uh, remember, again, this is an odd-numbered year, so that means we are electing a new city council council members in our odd number district. So this week we saw the entrance of a new candidate in District 3. Um, and just a fair warning, go ahead and take a big drink right now uh, because the dude is only 20 years old. Um, I don't know what you all were doing at 20 years old, but I was not elected to public office or thinking about being elected to public office at the age of 20. Um, but young uh, William J. Hendricks um, has entered the race uh, for District 3 city council um and there's actually an article up on cj online about him right now i encourage you to check it out y'all he sounds pretty sharp like he's actually uh paid attention to many more things than money uh, than people maybe two or three times his age have um and sounds pretty sharp so i encourage you to uh to, to look him up and, and learn more about him um just to fyi his entrance into that race does bring the number of candidates running in district three up to four now which means drum roll we have a primary election now officially 
in City Council District 3. Uh, just as a reminder for city elections, um, because they're nonpartisan, um, we don't have partisan primaries um, in City Council elections. Uh, but if there are, if there's an election or if there's a race, a seat uh, where there are more than three candidates running for office in that position, then there is a primary. So because we have four candidates now for uh, City Council District 3, there will be a primary election on August 3rd uh, for that district. Um, all our other districts right now are still under um, that four candidate threshold, including the mayor's race. Um, so it remains to be seen if there will be primary elections uh, in the other districts or for the mayor's race. Um, there is still a little bit of time uh, left before candidates have to file. Um, district 1 right now, City Council District 1, so that's the one that's kind of our downtown central core of the city. They are the only district as of right now that has no candidates uh, declared for it, um, including Karen Hiller, the incumbent city council member. She has not declared um, or filed her intent to run again. Um, so it remains to be seen uh, what will happen in District 1. Uh, candidates do have until June 1st at noon uh, to file in both the mayor's race and the city council race. Um, so there's still still lots of time left to see who all will file in those races. Um, but things are already shaping up to be pretty competitive uh, across city council um, races. So um, again, we're going we're gonna to keep talking about this as long as we can, folks. But just a reminder that this is an election year and these local elections. And we're actually going to talk about this um, a little bit more here, just a bit with council, uh, with uh, Councilman Emerson. But these local elections really do touch your life in, in ways that are um, even more real than perhaps uh, state and federal elections do. So again, be, be on the lookout for more information coming your way. We'll be actually be talking with Councilman Emerson about some other things that the city council um, will become will have on their agenda coming up as well. So that'll come up after this segment. Uh, when it comes to the county level, a couple things to talk about. First up, uh, today actually, the county commission did approve the family park master plan, um, or as we like to call it, the Parkapalooza. Uh, if you uh, listened a couple weeks ago when we talked about this plan making its way through the, uh, the park and Rec Advisory Board. Um, Y'all, if you haven't seen this plan, this is a park. Uh, This is, just as a refresher, the new park that is planned for 21st and Yurish, kind of south of where the Midwest Health Aquatic Park is right now. Um, The proposed plan has all kinds of bells and whistles. Uh, It includes everything from uh, pump tracks, which my old unhip self had to learn, um, are apparently things that are like half pipes, uh, but are intended for BMX style biking. Uh, It also includes a destination fitness playground, a driving range, which I probably need to visit sometime, seeing as I'm the only lawyer I know who doesn't know how to golf. Uh, Okay, that's actually a lie. I've golfed a couple times. Well, golf is charitable. I hit the ball is what I'm saying. Anyway, uh, the park includes all kinds of things. It's also slated to include, wait for it, pickleball courts. I don't know exactly what that means, but I'm told you people are really excited about the pickleball. So there you go. The plant, the park now includes a plan for pickleball courts. Um, it also includes tentative plans for some type of indoor activity center um, that ha- haven't been hammered out yet. Um, and of course, this plan has generated lots of discussion in the community, too, about allocation of resources. Yeah, this is a, a lot of money. Uh, specifically, it's a $30 million project uh, to make this plan come to life. Um, that's going to happen on the southwest side of the
the city. And I mentioned it is just south of another recreation complex, the Midwest Health Aquatic Park. Um, and so there's lots of conversation about the level of investment there. And, and you know, could those dollars have been spent better spent in other parts of the city and rehabbing other existing parts that are located more central or on the east side of town? Um, so I imagine that conversation will continue to happen. And you can always bring up your comments, um, you know, of not only to the county commission, but of course, there is a Parks and Recreation Advisory Board um, that is made up of average citizens um, that get to, as the name implies, uh, provide advice um, to Parks and Rec um, when it comes to all manner of special projects like this. Um, so you have a chance to provide your input um, at that level as well. Now, um, all this said, after I just got you all hot and bothered, uh, fair warning, this is still a plan. Uh, so not all of those things may actually come to life. Um, you know, for instance, they weren't sure if the indoor activity center really would work, how it would be used, etc. So some of these plans may not end up happening in the long, some of these things in the plan may not have uh, come to fruition in the long term. Um, I mentioned this is a $30 million project. About $10 million of it uh, would come from a bond issue that's actually already been passed and incurred uh, by the county, and so that leaves the remain $20 million uh, of the project to be covered. And of course, also while we talk about the county, we've got to talk about the Rona. Uh, today was actually an exciting day in that our county health indicator score dropped to a 1, which puts us right on the border of moderate and low, actually, almost to that green, that coveted green area on the chart. Um, it's our lowest indicator score we've had since uh, since tracking uh really began in the county. Now, mind you, a couple of weeks ago, it was probably a month or so ago, uh, we did change up um, the, what we were using for our scorecard. And so, um, you know, since then, though, this is still the lowest rate we've had since that change up in our scorecard. Um, our percentage of people fully vaccinated as of yesterday per the CDC was 34.3%. Um, so we are almost halfway to that coveted 70% estimate mark um, that as the experts estimate we need to be at for herd immunity. Actually, when you look at the numbers a little bit more, you can see that when it comes to adults specifically, those over the age of 18, 44% of those folks in Shawnee County are fully immunized. Um, and so that is really good progress, folks. Um, good things are happening, but... But it is so important that we cannot let up now. In fact, I'm going to use a sports ball reference. So everyone get ready. Get your recorder out if you haven't already. Uh, but remember at the Super Bowl back in 2020 when the Chiefs played the 49ers. And at one point in the first half, the 49ers gathered in the end zone and posed to celebrate uh, before the Chiefs came roaring back to win in the second half. Uh, yeah, we're awfully close to becoming the 49ers in that situation. Uh, we are making tremendous progress, but we're just not quite there yet. And if we let up too soon, we risk putting a lot of people in jeopardy. So just a friendly reminder that you can head to ShawneeHealth.org and click vaccine to find where you can get your vaccine in Shawnee County. And coolest thing, remember that every Thursday and Friday until the end of May, the Kansas History Museum is hosting a free walk-in vaccine clinic all day long. So every Thursday and Friday to the end of May, they've got that uh, free walk-in vaccine clinic at the Kansas History Museum. You can go in and get vaccinated right next to Carrie Nation, y'all. It's good stuff. So lots of resources, lots of opportunities out there. So if you haven't got your vaccine, go ahead and make your plan to do that now. And then, of course, we have our friends at the State House. We are now under a week until the legislature returns for their veto session, or at this point, uh, three days, 10 hours, and one minute. <laughs> 
not that anyone's counting or anything, uh, just to drive home how much work the legislature has to do when they return. Uh, we looked at the governor or at the uh, budget bill that was presented to Governor Keller. We talked about this um, a couple of weeks ago. The legislature did pass a some sort of budget bill um, to uh, Governor Kelly's desk. She did sign that bill, um, but she did get her her veto pen out for parts of it. Uh, just as a reminder, the governor does have the ability to do what's called a line item veto. Uh, So this is where the governor can veto specific parts uh, or sections of legislation. So while she signed the bill, she did line item veto about 18 different provisions of the bill. Uh, So some of those provisions that she gave a thanks but no thanks to uh, include a provision that would prohibit mask mandates, another provision that would have cut her out of the state's decision making process on the use of federal COVID dollars, and a provision that would require state agencies and contractors to rely on the e-verify system to confirm the immigration status of job applicants. Uh, just a special note on that last line item veto, because I can already see people getting, getting fussy and being like, whoa, 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 wait, what happened? Uh, so the e-verify system is a system that is intended to help uh, businesses be able to verify immigration status. Um, the challenge that that system has had in recent years is that, is that it's produced a ton of false positives, i.e. flagging people as not being compliant with uh, are not having a legal registration status when in fact they did. Um, and so the time and money, quite honestly, that businesses have had to spend um, on, uh, on that system when it's produced uh, inaccurate results has been a lot. Um, and so there has been a move um, by some to back away from heavy reliance on the E-Verify system given uh, the number of, of false positives essentially that it produces. Um, The governor did point out that while she agreed with a large portion of the bill, there are certain provisions uh, that she felt either had been resolved by other legislation um, or could be addressed in other ways outside the bill or might be better off being proposed in their own separate piece of legislation. Uh, One such provision um, was a section that would have provided $300,000 to an organization called Hope Ranch for Women, which is a faith-based program in Andover that provides learning, mentoring, and a residential home for women dealing with spiritual, mental, or physical exploitation. Uh, the Kansas Reflector actually has a, a great article up about this. They report that the facility aims to help survivors, quote, experience God's love and grace and live in the, quote, fullness of who God created them to be. Now, the governor did have opposition to that specific program and, and de called this kind of work critical work, um, but did note that if the legislature wants to fund a new program that does this work, Um, It needs to be through its own fully vetted piece of legislation that has gone through all the necessary steps of review, through all the necessary stakeholders and that side of thing, uh, that kind of thing. So basically, don't be trying to slide stuff in on Laura because she'll she'll call you out on it. Uh, So legislators will be busy when they come back next week. They've got uh, eight bills that were vetoed by the governor that they can consider attempting to override. Uh, There's consideration of a 2.5 percent salary increase for state employees that's on the table. Um, There's a restoration of previous funding cuts to other state agencies um, that took cuts when COVID-19 happened. And oh, yeah, we've got to still fund education in this state. Um, You'll recall that education funding was left out of the budget bill as legislators tried to look through their magic bag to see where else they might find money needed to fund equitable education. So they've got to take care of that one, you know, minor tidbit uh, when they come back to work next week. 
And then, last but not least, we haven't talked national politics on here in a little bit, but last night, Uncle Joe gave his first address to a joint session of Congress. Um, a couple of things to know, because first off, uh, some folks got a little sassy and claimed that Biden should have given the speech way back in February, which is close to the time that other new presidents have given their first uh, address. Uh, while the first speech by a new president is not officially the State of the Union, most new presidents do give a speech somewhere in those first uh, two months to a joint session of Congress. Um, but just some things to point out here. First off, this is not a requirement um, by any means. And specifically, contrary to what some folks have indicated on the social medias, there is actually no timeline required for when a, the State of the Union speech even has to be given. There isn't even a requirement, y'all, that has to be a speech. Uh, in fact, all the Constitution says is that the president quote, shall from time to time give to the Congress information on the State of the Union. Um, in fact, Washington and Adams, you know, they got us started. They both gave an annual message um, of the president in person. Uh, but then along came Thomas Jefferson, who basically said, all right, enough of that noise. Um, and he just fired off a written message to Congress and said, here, read this. Um, and in fact, it wasn't until 1913 that our boy Woodrow Wilson was like, "Now nah, I'm going to go talk to these crazy people in person. And then the in-person format didn't really stick permanently until good old FDR started doing it in 1934. So, the more you know. Uh, and of course, last night's speech looked a little different because of this little thing called COVID-19. Uh, social distancing meant that the chamber is only really filled with a fraction of the normal crowd of folks, uh, relegating some members of Congress to have to sit in the gallery um, or watch the speech from their office. Uh, instead of the whole Supreme Court being there, for instance, Chief Justice Roberts was their sole representative, uh, which makes you wonder if he was like on a group chat with the other justices and they were all sending him pictures of themselves at home on the couch with drinks in their hands, being like, sucka! Uh, the, the speech was also historic uh, because for the first time, two women were seated behind the president with Vice President Kamala Harris taking the vice president's ceremonial position next to the speaker for the speech. And by the way, a random note, did anyone catch Speaker Pelosi get a text during the middle of the speech? Because she totally did. Uh, also, someone else's phone went off during the speech. So I guess what I'm trying to say is a meeting of Congress is not unlike any other meeting uh, that we go to. Oh, remember in-person meetings? Those were, those were nice. Those were good times. Uh, anywho, uh, President Biden had a lot to say last night. He laid out a, a big and bold vision for everything from cutting childhood poverty to immigration reform, gun control, and even curing cancer. Uh, his plans are costly. There is no doubt about that. He proposed trillions in new spending to cover some new broad sweeping federal programs. Um, it's important to note that some of these items did indeed represent kind of that classic liberal wish list of ideas. Uh, free access to preschool and community college, for instance, uh, shifting to a low carbon based economy, investing in a massive new program of public works and infrastructure projects, those kinds of things. Uh, but he also hit on some items that really should resonate with uh, Republicans. Um, for instance, a, uh, a heavy reliance on buying and supporting American businesses. Uh, in referring to his American jobs plan, he called it a, quote, blue collar blueprint to build America. Uh, in discussing funding for cancer research, he thanks Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell for naming a recently passed cancer research bill in honor of his late son, Beau, who died from brain cancer. Hell, even infrastructure investment is something Republicans have been looking at and talking about in earnest for quite some time. Uh, there just may be a way that Biden can find some common ground. 
And of course, it still isn't rainbows and puppy dogs. Uh, after all, upon the mention of cutting childhood poverty, something that I would venture to say most normal people feel pretty good about, uh, the Republicans in their cha- in the chamber sat on their hands and didn't even acknowledge it. Uh, so there is still some work to be done. And that, folks, is our roundup for tonight. But stay tuned after the break. We have a can't miss interview with City Councilman Tony Emerson. Uh, so stick around. Stay tuned. You are listening to Ballads and Brews here on KSF 785 Live Radio. All right. Well, welcome back, folks. We are so excited for our next guest this evening. We always love to have members of the city council stop by. And so we are so excited to have District 4 City Council member Tony Emerson joining us tonight. Tony, thanks for being here. Hey, great to be here, Angel. Yeah, glad, glad to have you. And, you know, as we get started off tonight, you know, as, as always, we love it when people get to talk a little bit about this, though. So, you know, why don't you tell folks a little bit about yourself, kind of outside your role on the city council? Sure. Well, I was born and raised here in, in Topeka. Grew up in Highland Park, basically at 25th and Iowa. Okay. I was the third of six kids, so I had a, had a big family. And my entire family went through Highland Park Central and then Eisenhower Middle School. Except for my oldest sister who went to Highland Park Junior High. <laughs> and then we all graduated from Highland Park. And I graduated from Highland Park in uh, 1987. Uh, from there, frankly, my plan was to uh, to serve our country in the Air Force. Oh. And I got a scholarship and I was an Air Force cadet for two years. And then I uh, I broke my back in a sailplane accident. Oh, my God. And, yeah, and one day you're in the club. And the next day you're, you're out of the club. So oh my goodness. Um, as, I was at the Air Force Academy and they, they, uh, they gave me at least they, they gave me a nice plane ride home. And uh, <laughs> so, so I came back here and, uh, you know, now I found myself with no scholarship and, and uh, you know, with six kids, my parents, frankly, didn't have money for college. Sure. So um, got to working and my dad had just started a little construction company, just had one little dump truck and a backhoe he bought from his brother. And uh, we started going out doing, you know, we do these little jobs, anything. We'd go, you know, um, you know, dig up a water line, you know, something that was leaking in somebody's yard and, sure. you know, and fix it. Or, uh, you know, we, we'd go out and you know, replace a catch base or something, just anything we could do. And just over time, you know, we started doing, you know, bigger projects and stuff. And, and you know, God was, God kind of blessed us and gave us the right people and the right, the right opportunities. And uh, so that's now what I've been doing for... Well, I guess, I guess 32 years and uh, ended up uh, marrying my high school sweetheart, Allison. And uh, that was in 92. We got married. So I guess it's been 19. This year will be 19 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. And we have. Hold on, no, that's not right. Golly, that's terrible. It's it's twenty nine years, twenty nine anyway, years this year. We're, we're not math on this yes, show, yes. So. I started thinking about how old my oldest uh, child was, and I thought, hold on, something is not right here. I, so uh, yeah, so Allison also graduated from Highland Park, and um, we have uh, we have four kids. Uh, Katie, who uh, Katie kind of did my plan. She she is an Air Force officer, graduated from the uh, Air Force Academy in. in uh, um, last year 19 and uh she's an air force officer and uh, then i got sydney who is uh, uh she is just finishing nursing school actually at rasmussen it's been a great experience for her right here yeah. in Topeka. 
And uh, then I have Reagan, who's at Washburn. And then I have um, Andrew and Jeremiah, who are both sophomores at Shawnee Heights. Oh, okay. Awesome. So, yeah, it's, like I said, it's it's been a great, uh, I, it's been a fantastic life. I have no complaints, and I'm, I've just been so blessed. Well, oh, my gosh. Well, absolutely. Well, and, and, you know, to think about how, how different your, your life has ended up than maybe where you started, where you thought it would be originally. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. <laughs> oh, that's, that's awesome. Uh, you know, when, so when you think about, you know, you've had so much uh, history um, in, in Topeka, that sort of thing. I do have to ask, for being one of six siblings, did you go Did you go through school as so-and-so's brother all the time? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. My, yeah, my, uh, my, my sister was, uh, my oldest sister was a kind of a standout in, in like, ah. athletics. And, but yeah, it was, oh, you're Jill's, oh, you're Jill's little brother. You're Jill's little brother. You're, or then, then it was, oh, you're Tim's little brother. You're Tim's little brother. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, no, no one knew who the heck I was. Right. Yeah, they, they still don't, Angel. So that's funny. See, for me, as an only child, it's always fascinating to learn. So that's a di- totally different experience. A- absolutely. <laughs> well, yeah. So, so given you know, how how invested you were in in Topeka, the community, you know, what what motivated you to want to run for for city council? So, I'll, t- I'll tell you, Angel. It was really at the time. Um, I had just a lot of concerns, frankly, about the way our, our, our street program was being run. As a contractor, and, and it gets important to note, my company really doesn't do street projects. We, really, we do utility projects, but, but as part of that, I, I participate sometimes in street projects. And I was seeing that due to, there was a lot of political pressure just to get things done. Sure. And so I was seeing projects being bid and let and started before the utilities had been moved. Uh, and and in, in the worst cases, new roads were being built over old old utilities. Mm-hmm. And so we were seeing streets being done. And then a year or two later, the, you know, the water company or, or uh, WPC would have to come in and do some repair. And, and I gotta say, this was this was over the objections of the engineering staff, uh, but it was basically there, there was getting there was so much political pressure. I think just to get the stuff out and bid it and, and go, and you'd get out on these jobs, and you know when there's a when there's a telephone uh, you know the telephone or power pole in the way, you can't you can't you know widen the street until the power lines have been moved. Right. Now, since I set that up, let, let, let me let me tell you though, um, to his credit, Jason Peak, who just left in the last year. A public works director. Once he kind of got in, and, and I was in there too, and, and took him out to projects and showed him what we were talking about, he instituted what's a, a three-year process now for our major street jobs, where there's either widening or, or some improvements that need made that require utilities to be relocated. And now what we do is <clears throat> three-year process where the first year is design and um, an acquisition of any necessary right away. The second year is the relocation of utilities. And then the third year is when they actually let the project and it, it starts. Gotcha. And most recently, 10th Street is an example of this that they've been doing between, yeah, between Fairlawn and Wanamaker. And you'll notice that like three years ago or two years ago, they started moving utilities. And now last year in this, they're actually doing the construction. And it, it streamlines, it makes it so much more efficient and it's cheaper. It's oh, cheaper. You, you don't want to pay me or any contractor to set for a month and wait for Westar to come out or the gas company come out and move something. There's so, like I said, a lot of a lot of credit really goes to Jason Peak for that and and the engineering staff who put together that three year plan. But but that that was what motivated me, and that's 
that's been largely solved, I, I think, and hope. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, and, you know, it's, it's great to hear, too. You know, we've talked about um, on the show before, you know, how, how important city government is, and it's for things like that. You know, people, I, I think, sometimes forget that, you know, the, street, the streets we, we drive on every day, the utilities we use every day, all those things that are essential to our daily life are all part of, of city government, and you know, all, all levels of government are important, but I think city government is really what touches your, your life the most. I, I would agree. Yeah, I, I would agree. Okay, well, so, you know, now that you've been elected to the city council, what would you say is your, your favorite part of the role and what's maybe your, your least favorite part? Well, that's easy. My favorite part as a city council member, I get free parking at any downtown meter. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is how rumors get started. <laughs> that's right. Actually, we do. We get a hang tag. We really, That is true. We do get, and, and of course, I say that, you know, obviously, I'm, it's not my favorite part, but we spend so much time downtown in meetings. It's sure. thank, thank goodness that, that that ends up being quite a benefit because otherwise, we our entire salary would go to parking. Right. But uh, no. I'll tell you the best part, Angel, has been the people that I've met in in, in District Four. Sure. Um, you know, I, I've I've lived basically in District Four almost my entire life, and yet so many of these people I never would have my life never would have intersected with them. And, and I'll tell you, in particular, I think uh, um, Fred Martinez. He lives in the Rolling Meadows neighborhood, like thirty seventh in California. And and Fred is a widower, and he's his kids grew up there actually. Some of his kids were behind me in school in Highland Park. Ah. But Fred is retired, and yet he he, he does, um, I don't think what they call it, like Neighborhood Patrol, like Neighborhood oh, yeah. Watch. They have a very active Neighborhood Watch program. Um, I, I mean, Fred Fred calls me if there's, you know, he, he's kind of, honestly, he, he's really probably the city councilman for that little area. <laughs> because people know that, you know, Fred knows who to call, and he'll call me with something. And so it's people like Fred that... It's just amazing the the fantastic people we have, not just in in District Four, but all all around Topeka that I've gotten to meet through this job. But but I am partial to the people in uh, District Four. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, if you had to think about you know what's maybe I, I say least favorite, maybe your most challenging part of that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, okay, I'm just I'm just gonna be honest and transparent here. Okay, I hate bureaucracy <laughs> uh, so I'm so used you know my my I don't have a huge company it's a small company but I'm so used to a, a problem comes up one day on a project and I'll call some of my guys or we'll meet in the morning and we'll talk about it and we'll have a fix usually that day yeah and and it's so quick and so efficient and, and so easy to fix problems or it seems to be and yet in government there's just so much, um, I guess, um, trying to think of what the word would be, like a, just institutional um, momentum. Yeah. You know, uh, momentum's not quite the word. Inertia, <laughs> like, like institutional inertia that it's so hard to get the smallest things changed. Uh, things that I could change at my business in, in five minutes talking to one of my guys takes <laughs> – you know, two or three months and a hundred emails and you have to consult, you know, 20 people. And, and it's not, I, I want to be clear. This is not because the people that work for the city of Topeka or in government in general are bad. It's that I, I think a lot of it is once bitten twice shy, you know, in the past they've, they've stuck their neck out and tried something. And if it doesn't work, 
you know, they, they get they get called onto the carpet. So sure. so they're just I'd, I'd say government in general is pretty risk adverse. Sure. And um, that's that, that's just that's just been tough for me. And I know that, you know, the city managers had to call me a couple of times, say, hey, Tony, hey, 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 we'll, you know, we'll get this fixed. But, you know, don't you know, don't don't go out there and you know, throw a tantrum, at, you know. <laughs> Uh, and so he's he's had to talk me off the ledge a couple times because uh, I just I just get just frustrated that it takes so long and so much effort to change things that I think should be so easy to change. So, sure. Well, I think and, and again, you know, if if I was on the other side, I would I, I would uh, I, I'm sure things feel a lot different when you know from, from the other perspective. So. Well, sure. I think, I think people can definitely definitely appreciate that. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of those people that likes to that likes to, to get to action and get things done too. So I can totally understand that that kind of frustration, especially when you when you know when you can see what it is that that needs to be done and and want to get it done. I can totally understand that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, the city council's been uh, been busy in the last uh, couple of weeks. All kinds of things um, that have been going on. Uh, so yeah, just a couple of questions, and this uh, first one actually relates to something we were just kind of talking about. Um, so you all had. Um, uh, before you, uh, it was just last week, uh, the capital improvement plan and budget for approval. Um, and of course, that was the kind of culmination of, of weeks, months of, of uh, review uh, and work on, on your behalf. Um, and you uh, you actually uh, asked some pretty, pretty insightful questions early on that kind of triggered, I think, uh, some really good conversation uh, that started in the meeting. Can you talk a little bit about kind of what some of your concerns or questions were to me and kind of where that discussion went? Sure, absolutely. So, and, and first of all, I, I got to give credit here to Karen Hiller, who uh, me and her had spent a lot of time the, the week prior going through. And then uh, just prior to that, just prior to the meeting, like on Thursday night late, or maybe even Friday morning, we got the fourth quarter report. Mm-hmm. Well, and then the fourth quarter report, our, our finance staff had listed what are open projects. Uh, and, and And there's a lot of them. And and some are open simply because there have there's hasn't been some something done to close it you know something um, like staff wise to close it but it's it's really hard to tell from that list so if you if you take it at face value it shows that we've and it, I don't have it in front of me so these numbers are not going to be perfect but <clears throat> but they kind of give they're about the right magnitude they're close we we have approximately five hundred million in projects that under this list that had been. Uh, approved previously, either you know five years ago or in the last year, and we've only done about 270 million of them. So there's about 230 million dollars of of projects that we don't really know the status of, mm-hmm. and, and it might be Angel that 200 of them are are, are done. You know, it might sure. be that there's only 30 million that are open, but this list is just a um, kind of accumulation over the years of you know, of things just kind of piling up and not being dealt with and, and actually closed. And my real concern was <clears throat> we were, some of the projects that we were being asked to approve, uh, and, and it's important to note that when we approve things, we're giving approval for them to go ahead and spend money for the next three years on anything in the next, that's in the next three years. That's called a CIB, Capital Improvement Budget, whereas the whole thing is called the CIP, the Capital Improvements Plan. Mm-hmm. But if we approve something today, we're giving giving our, our staff and our departments permission to go ahead and encumber the money and start to spend it in the next three years. Sure. Well, some of the projects on there already had open projects that did the exact same thing. Oh. And and just one and just 
I just remember from looking at it that one was work on the levees. There was about a $950,000 project that was, I think, from five years ago. And only $30,000 of that money had been spent according to the thing. So you got about 900000 that's maybe is still out there could be spent. Sure. And yet there was a corresponding project to allocate almost that same amount, like 900,000 over the next three years doing, um, doing uh, maintenance on the levy. Well, and so my, my thought was, well, does that mean we're saying you can spend a million eight now because you got 900,000 still sitting here unspent and now you want another 900,000 if, and again, if, if that one shut down, great. I don't have any problem then going forward doing the, the other project, but I, I don't okay another, you know, basically hundred percent more money. Yeah. When you, have, you haven't spent the other one. So, and again, I don't, there's nothing I don't think happening here. Any, no one has ill intent or anything else. It's simply not knowing. I, I, I hate to vote on allocating more money to something if we have money sitting that hasn't been spent yet. The sure. exact same project. Well, and, you know, to your point earlier, there's, there's, these are big systems too and, and processes. So, you know, like you mentioned there, there could very well be things that just haven't been closed up or, or processes that haven't been completed to kind of reconcile some of those things. Right. I, I think that's, we're probably going to find out that's 75% of it. Yeah. Sure. I, I think you're absolutely right, Angel. Well, well yeah, I think that was a, a great example of that, Dean, too, you know, that as we've talked with other council members about the CIP, is, you know, the CIP and the CIB are, are big, complex documents. It's a lot of stuff um, to, to review. Um, and so it's you know, a lot of technical information. And so you, I know that that night specifically, the council spent a lot of time discussing that. But you know, this is one example of kind of the, the complexity of the, the issues that you all work with. Right. I, Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, just the other day, um, you know, we were looking at, so the mayor and city manager um, back on Tuesday, I think it was this week, met with the jump organization um, and uh, let them know, announce the city's commitment um, to fund the affordable housing trust fund. Um, and so as guys, affordable housing has, of course, been a topic of discussion for quite a while um, in, in city government. Um, and there's some movement that happened at the end of, uh, at the end of 2020 um, that can you talk for folks just a little bit about why the, the housing Housing trust fund is important, and kind of where the city stands with with the work in housing. Absolutely, Angel, and I'll be honest with you. I still don't understand how the housing trust fund would work. I know that people have told me that there's ways to leverage the money once it's in there. I have not seen myself concrete examples of how that works. So that's something. It's it's one of those things. It's uh, I'm not I'm not from Missouri, but you know it's kind of like show me how how it works. Um, but but I'll tell you as far as the uh, the work on housing, um, the city has just dozens of programs that are. Um, that are either allocated to to helping people get temporary housing, to um, to helping people do energy improvements on their houses, uh, for people to just do maintenance. Just this morning, I was I was uh, we had a we had a, a public works meeting from ten or public infrastructure committee from ten to noon today. Just prior to that, I ran to Mike uh, Haugen, who's the head of our. Um, like code enforcement service. That's not, that's not the right name. Oh, sure. uh, anyway, Mike, great guy. I'm the resident of district four, but, <laughs> uh, but Mike mentioned that they have money that goes unspent every year. That's available for people to help, um, help fix up their house. Oh, yeah. 
because I'll tell you, Angel, it's something you should do, so everyone should do sometime. We have a lot of people saying code enforcement, code enforcement, code enforcement. We need to go in and be, you know, strict and we need to be, you know, write these people tickets and stuff. Well, when I, and I haven't done this in a couple of years, but I went, I think, three different times to what we call our code docket. And that's the thing where if you get a citation and you don't just get it fixed quickly, you end up having to go and talk to a judge. Ah. And Angel, it was the saddest thing maybe that I've ever seen. These these elderly people were, were in there and it was stuff like their gutter is peeling. Um, you know, they had paint peeling on their gutter. And in, in one case, uh, there was actually an, an elderly guy there and the, the judge called, you know, uh, you know, Lisa Smith. And this guy came forward and the judge says, well, you, you don't look like uh, Lisa. And he said, no, ma'am, that's my wife. She's in the hospital. Oh, gosh. And he says, well, yeah, and the judge says, well, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not going to hold you in contempt, but it is a serious thing, you know, when you're supposed to be in court. And, uh, I, and, and then, and it, it was literally something like they had guttering coming off their house. Wow. And, and I mean, here's a guy who's watching the hospital. He's, he had to be 80, 85 years old, sure. you know, had a, had a cane or a walker. I don't remember which now. And I'm like, oh, my God, these these people don't need persecuted or, or punished. These people need help. Absolutely. And, and, and like I said, I was, I was just talking to Mike this morning. How do we do that? You know, going from this punitive thing where, you know, we, you know, we have to bring the hammer down. And, and, and what would it look like if we went instead and helped these people? Yeah. Because because there's a cost to everything we do. It's, it's a cost to have code enforcement go out and, and you know, issue citations and, you know, drive trucks around. It's it costs to have our city prosecutor have to look into the facts of the case. It costs to have a judge there sitting there. And I thought, man, with all the money we spend, perhaps, you know, perhaps if we spent the same amount of money, we could just get the problems fixed in the first place for people. And and now to his credit, Mike, Mike said, we do have a program like that in place, but not enough people know about it. And money goes unspent every year. Oh, wow. So that's... That's uh, that's you know you talked earlier about some of my frustrations, and this isn't a frustration with government; it's just a frustration in general. That um, you know, me and you were talking about the civic theater before we went on here. How do you get the word out for everything that's available? You know, both yeah, both yeah. benefits as well as you know just just things to do in, in Topeka. Absolutely, uh, me and you both know like with the things to do, there's literally hundreds of things, but you'll hear people say there's nothing to do. Right. So you know, the same way with this, there's so much money and so many programs out there, but how do you get, how do you get people to know what's available out there? And, and, and you're connected, connected, I guess the, the, um, the benefit with the need. Sure. And that, that's where I see a real disconnect. Oh, gosh, absolutely. Well, and, you know, for folks listening here uh, at home, too, we will be making sure on our social media, we'll share some of those resources um, they were just talking about, because you're absolutely right. You know, the city does have, I don't think that, I know people don't uh, recognize how many resources are out there when it comes to housing and neighborhood development, really, in, in the community. Yeah, well, and, and, and let, let me tell you, I guess, you know, not to go too far down this rabbit trail here, sure. but... Um, <clears throat> You know, it's a big deal when you get something from the city, something in the mail from the city, and it says you have something wrong. Because, listen, I, I've experienced that firsthand. When we were first in business, we couldn't afford it. We rent a little lot from a neighbor, mm -hmm. and we'd done that for about a year. And we get this, they get this thing in the, in the mail from the city, and it's basically saying you're parking construction equipment in an area that's residential. You can't do that. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, 
you feel terrible. I mean, you feel like a criminal. No, sir. And, and that's the way it feels. It's no matter no matter how nice the letter is, right. if you get something saying you're doing something wrong or your or your property isn't good enough, it, it hurts. Um, Absolutely. So. Well, I, I, yeah, I can totally understand that. I'm someone, yeah, if, if I got a letter from the city saying, you know, just anything, I think that's that would, my first reaction would be to, to freak out. So I, I, I totally, totally understand that. Well, and, and you know, to, uh, you know, kind of a, a takeoff of that note, you know, the next question I want to ask about was, uh, the, uh, police and community, uh, committee, which yes. is another committee at the city council. They are, they're actually going to be having a meeting tomorrow, um, as they kind of get close to, to wrapping up their, uh, work and getting ready to make some recommendations, uh, to the, to the city council. Uh, can you talk a little bit about kind of, you know, the current state of police community relations kind of as you see it? You know, are there things you think we're doing well or is there anything that you think that we can do better at? Obviously, there's been a lot of stuff happening on the national level that, you know, obviously it kind of shapes a lot of our perceptions about uh, about police. Sure. But I have to tell you, though, Angel, by and large, I think our police officers do a fantastic job under under often difficult circumstances. You know, everything they do. You know, all of them have these body cams now and everything they do. And, and sometimes it comes down to a, a split second decision that might be a life and death situation and a decision they had to make, maybe even almost by instinct, then can be analyzed, you know, for hours and days on end at the back end, you know, for, from people that you know are, are you know, from this kind of the safety of, you know, it's like a, an armchair quarterback, you know, <laughs> things look a lot different. You know, it's Monday morning, you're sitting there having a cup of coffee and, and watching something from a, from a desk on, on a computer. And they have an extremely tough job. And n- neither neither me nor you, you know, have a job where when you leave in the morning, you're not certain if you're going to come home or not. Right. You know, they, there are people, I, I just saw today, and I don't know where it was, I think maybe North Carolina, two, two police officers were ambushed and killed. Mm. And I thought... My God, what would it be like to maybe have a target on your back every time you leave the you leave your house? Right. Uh, now, all that said, there's obviously always room for improvement. I think a lot of the things that uh, Chief Cochran, when he was there, set into place um, have have done a lot of good. I also think that uh, Interim Chief uh, Wheelis. I understand. I don't want to steal his thunder, but I, I believe there. I've heard rumblings of there's a kind of a de-escalation thing that they are going to be looking into. Sure. Because that's really, there's no reason when a person gets pulled over for a, you know, head or taillight being out, there's no reason that should ever escalate into somebody dying. Right. You know, whether it's the police officer or the person driving, it should never escalate into that. So how do we, how do we keep situations like that, you know, from, from going, uh, going sideways and, uh, that's so I, I am all for any sort of training like that. But but again, it's easy for me to second guess, sure. you know, what, what somebody does and, you know, in, in a in a moment of, of fearing for their life. Well, and, you know, I know that the police and community committee has reviewed um, has reviewed and heard from lots of people over the last uh, couple of months. So it sounds like they'll be sending you all probably, I'm, I'm sure, a, a pretty good uh, set of recommendations or at least insight of things that they've learned in the last year. Uh, and, and absolutely. And, I, and I'll tell you what, I mean, you, you know, you have um, Deputy Mayor, uh, you know, Mike Padilla, who. Yeah. I mean, he, he's like an encyclopedia of, of police <laughs> knowledge. Uh, it's been such 
it's it's been a great honor to stand next to him and and you know probably can't plug anything but i i hope he's sitting on the other side of me next year as mayor but uh i'll tell you what there's so many times it's things that you guys don't see either executive sessions or just talks with him where you know mike has has told you know kind of taught me so much about police uh, and just bring such a great perspective. So he's on that committee. And I, I know uh, Karen Hiller from District 1 and uh, Sylvia Ortiz. And they're, they're both our most seasoned um, council women who have been, uh, you know, seen everything through, you know, thick and thin of everything. So Absolutely. I have a lot of confidence in that, in that committee. For sure, for sure. Well, and, you know, this, this last question I had to ask, you know, this, this happened actually just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, there was a, an interesting moment uh, that I just thought really kind of showed, uh, you know, it was kind of a neat human moment at the end of the uh, council meeting. I think it was during announcements. And uh, you had, t- you were uh, talking to the mayor uh, about an outreach that she had done to uh, a young child and, and kind of what it meant to, uh, to that young man. I was wondering if you could just share a little bit because I just thought that was such a, a good moment at the end of the meeting. <laughs> I think people in general might be a little bit, um, what's the word for it? Skeptical of politicians. You know, everything you do, you want to be in front of a camera. Sure. Right. Everything you do is for the effect or for the, for the media attention. And uh, she was doing this for a kid in another state who will never be able to vote for and the parents will never be able to vote. I'm not just, I'm, I'm sorry, Angel, I'm not sure why that time. No, I thought it would affect me so much. Um, it was just out of pure love for people. Absolutely. So yeah, it was, a, it was a young boy with Down syndrome and the grandfather when hearing I was from Topeka mentioned that um, his son has, has Down syndrome or his grandson has Down syndrome. And because uh, he said, Topeka, that's the capital. I said, absolutely. And he said, you know, my my grandson is Down syndrome, but he's memorized all the state capitals and, 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 he, and he collects things from him wherever he can. And um, that was kind of his, his special thing he had. And so I mentioned that to the mayor. And the next thing I know, the mayor's wanting the address. And with everything she has gone on, you know, with her job and with her kids and her family, she doesn't hardly have time to breathe. And yet she made it a point to write this beautiful letter and to include a couple of pins and just, and, and, you know, it was just... The dignity she gave to that kid and the love she showed was just, I, I just thought it kind of uh, transcended, uh, transcended a lot of things we, uh, kind of the day-to-day things we do. So, and that, that was that was the mayor's doing. I had nothing to do with it other than just telling her about it. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing that story. I think you're right. I think that is one of those moments that really kind of transcends politics and government and, and all that. And I think it was a, a neat moment to reflect on, you know, why why you all um, are doing this, you know, why why you all are in the, the positions that, that you are, too, and, and the kind of folks that, kind of people that you all are. And I just thought that was a, a neat moment. So I appreciate you sharing that with yeah, us. Yeah, thank you. You're, you're welcome. Well, you know, before, uh, before we let you get out of here, we do have one last thing. We always do like to, uh, whatever we have, like to the uh, we have uh, a little lightning round game that we All have. All right, today. lightning round. Here's a chance for prize money. I like <laughs> it. Right, absolutely. So these are, of course, questions about your district, District 4. And so, yeah, we should do want to remind folks at home, kind of geographically, where your district sits in the city. Absolutely. My district's really pretty easy because it's bounded. Basically, it's 21st Street on the south. No, on the north, <laughs> it goes south to 45th Street, and then basically Adams Street to Croco. There's there's a little bit outside those boundaries, sure. but that's basically it. 21st to 45th, 
Adams to Croco. Awesome. Nice, nice square area. Absolutely. Good, good chunk of that southeast part of the city. Yeah, that's right. That's correct. Awesome. Well, well knowing that, so our, our first question is your favorite local restaurant in your district? <laughs> Okay, well, I have two. <laughs> That's okay. Now, m- now, milk and honey for breakfast, oh, and yeah. and for maybe a late lunch or an early lunch, and milk and honey is at like uh, twenty. It's like by Dillon's right there, like 29th block east of 29th in California. Milk and honey, mm-hmm. that drive-through, great coffee shop, owned by uh, local people. But then, and even though this isn't in my district, this is in Southeast Topeka, Blind Tiger for every oh, other meal. Oh, you can't go wrong there at all. No, you can't. Uh, your, I think I might have a hunch on this one, but your favorite outdoor spot to relax in your district. Well, as, as the the beautiful thing about District 4 is it incorporates the jewel of, of uh, Shawnee County, which is Lake Shawnee. Absolutely. So there are so many things to do at Lake Shawnee. It's a beautiful, I mean, just a beautiful part of our county. And I'll, I'll say city because it's surrounded by city. So I'll, I'm, I'm going to say it's, it's part of our city. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would say Lake Shawnee well, as far as the outdoor here. spot. Uh, the next question is your favorite attraction or thing to do in your district? Well, as we were just talking about, Angel, before we came on, um, especially with, with COVID reminding us, us of, uh, you know, how nice it is to do, you know, quote unquote, normal things again. Uh, kids, I spend a lot of times at Shawnee Heights basketball track or, or, or football games. So that's, but, but I have to also tell you that, um, you know, again, Lake Shawnee, there's so many things. I mean, you can bike ride around, you know, you can, you can walk there. You can, you can you know, watch the Eagles over by the golf course. Yeah. So I, I'd say it's toss it between those two things. Absolutely. Oh, that's great. Uh, if you had to use one word to describe your district, what would it be? Dang, one word. <laughs> <clears throat> I would say it's involved. Ah. I, I say that because I have so many in my uh, district that are either on the school board. Um, you know, they're 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 volunteering at at Let's Help. They're volunteering for. Um, uh, trying to think of the over the rescue mission, people in district four, everyone seems to be like they're involved with something in the community. Absolutely. I like that. Uh, What is one word you use to describe your hope for the future of your district? I would say thriving. Ah. And I, I, yeah, I I say that angel because if you, if you want me to elaborate, (laughs) um, the only the, the one challenge District Four has is that the the turnpike bisects the the district, so there's not a lot of through streets, and that that in turn has hurt our uh, some of our maybe retail development. Sure. Uh, so I would I would love to see we have we have too many too many vacant storefronts, especially like the California Crossing Mall. We need a good, we need, we need a couple more like family type restaurants out there. And I just like to see us thriving a little bit more. One of the things we're trying to do, and this is not an ad for this, but <laughs> we are trying to get the Turnpike to partner with us to build an exit on the 29th Street because oh, yeah. we have so many in talking with uh, people at Parks and Rec, they're, they have so much activity out there, especially around softball and baseball. And if there were hotels out there, people would stay at those. Oh, Instead, gosh, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of times those teams might stay in Lawrence because otherwise they got to stay way out on the west side of Topeka and it's actually further for them. Yeah. So we're missing on so much revenue and so much economic activity because there's not a closed turnpike exit to the lake. There's n- nothing that's convenient, at least. That's, so, that's a great point. 
Yeah. Um, and then, of course, finally, since this is Ballots and Brews, we always have to ask, uh, after uh, a busy day of work in city council business, uh, do you have a, a favorite beer or cocktail or other beverage that you like to uh, Absolutely. <laughs> Capital City Kolsch from Blind Tiger. Oh, nice. Yeah, which, by the way, I believe you can also get downtown at the Iron Rail. So. I think so, yeah. Yeah, it is. It is fantastic. Now, the last time I was at the Iron Rail, I was there just about a week ago. They were out. Oh, man. So ho- hopefully they have uh, restocked. Also, if, if anyone from Iron Rail is listening, there you go. Make sure to, to, to stock up. That's right. St- <laughs> stock up, stock up. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I. it's just blind tire. I can't say enough. Uh, J.I.'s came in there, what, about uh, six or seven years ago? Yeah. Maybe longer now. It's probably been 10 years ago. And man, he just brought that place back to life. Just a fantastic place. And I, I did not own any of that. I don't get any money for saying that. I don't, I don't get any discounts. So it's just a great place for in Southeast Topeka. Awesome. Awesome. Tony, thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. Hey, you're, you're welcome, Angel. It's been my pleasure. Absolutely. Well, for uh, folks listening out there, uh, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. Uh, but go ahead and make sure to stay tuned. After this, we'll wrap things up like we always do with our take action moment of the night. So you are listening to Ballots and Brews here on KSA 75 Live Radio. All right, folks, to wrap things up tonight, uh, you know, we know that the topic of uh, police and community relations continues to be a top of mind for many folks, as it should be in our community. It's an important issue. And so we want to give you uh, some resources tonight for how you can keep um, in touch with what is happening uh, related to that issue um, in Topeka um, and speak your mind um, on those issues um, as you see fit. Um, First up, for those of you that are listening to us on Thursday evening, uh, first off, shout out to you all uh, for being the OG and listening in uh, tonight. Uh, Second, um, you should know that actually tomorrow, Friday, uh, the Topeka City Council's Police and Community Committee uh, will be having a special meeting. Um, That meeting is going to happen uh, tomorrow, Friday, April 30th at 3 p.m. at the Law Enforcement Center. Um, The meeting will be broadcast on the city's Facebook page, so if you don't follow the city of Topeka on Facebook, that's a a good reason to as well. They broadcast all their public meetings on there. Um, And of course, it'll be broadcast on public access channels. Channel 4, which I know everyone watches with regularity. Um, just as a reminder, again, this committee is comprised of City Council members Sylvia Ortiz, Mike Padilla, and Karen Hiller. Um, this committee was developed last year um, and was really charged with listening uh, to the community, um, listening to their concerns um, that they have uh, about policing in the community, and coming up with a set of recommendations uh, to present to the City Council for their uh, approval. Um, those recommendations can be related to any kinds of uh, policies, regulations, things like that that the council uh, might look at amending or taking up. You can actually find out this committee has been busy um, in the last year. You can find out uh, more about their work by going to topeka.org slash city council slash police dash community. That's topeka.org slash city council slash police dash community. Uh, there's tons of documents on there. Again, this committee has been busy. They've looked at a lot. They've heard a lot of presentations um, in the last year. You can actually find copies of all those presentations on that web page. They've also looked at a lot of data um, as well in the last year. You can see um, that data on the web page page as well. Um, so they've got lots of information that they're considering that you can see as well uh, by go, by checking it out online. Um, and don't forget, you can also contact any of those three uh, city council members that sit on the committee to provide your feedback as well. So that's, again, Sylvia Ortiz, Mike Padilla, and Karen Hiller. You can contact uh, any three of those um, individuals to let them know uh, your thoughts to, to share with the committee. Um, one other opportunity that's actually very important to, to know about that I don't think people realize, uh, we are actually um, getting ready 
ready to embark on the hiring process for a new police chief. Um, those of you that have been around the show for a little while can remember that we had Chief Cochran, our previous chief, on the show um, a couple of months ago. He has now left that role, and we have an interim police chief right now. Um, but we actually still um, uh, have not quite started the process uh, or started the uh, hiring process for a permanent police chief. Um, and actually, part of that is because the police and community uh, committee that we just talked about, um, the city's kind of waiting to see what recommendations that committee is going to have, um, because that committee, if they have any changes to, toward policy or practices or anything like that, um, that could impact the hiring of the police chief. And so the city wants to, to let that committee finish its process and deliver its recommendations to see if there's going to be any changes or things that need to happen before we can really um, get started on that that process um, in earnest. Um, so we're probably still a few months out from when, we, when we'll really actually start the search process um, for the police chief, but that's just a heads up. I don't think a lot of people realize that we actually don't have um, our permanent police chief in place right now, um, and we will begin that search process here um, in just a couple months. Um, city officials, including the city manager, have, have mentioned this will be an open process, a public process. You know, I imagine if it's like other processes um, I've seen when we've hired for um, the last police chief or other uh, city leaders, usually there's opportunities for the public to meet these individuals, the candidates, and provide um, feedback um, to city officials that they can consider um, as they're looking at, uh, as they're considering hiring those individuals. So be on the lookout uh, this fall, probably, for opportunities to meet uh, the different police chief candidates as they come to the city. Usually, a lot of times they have to give some kind of presentation uh, to members of the public, and so you know, there might be opportunities for that, as well as to meet those folks um, and to submit your your feedback on them so stay tuned for that coming up this fall so there you have it, folks. Just a couple important points uh, coming up where you have the opportunity to both learn and provide feedback um, that council members need to hear on policing in our community. Um, as we've talked about a lot of times on this show before, city council members really do listen to that feedback. Um, so it's so important uh, to share your voice. And folks, that is it for tonight's show. Uh, we will see you next week, next Thursday. And of course, until then, please, please, please stay safe, wear your mask, get your vaccine, uh, wash your hands, drink some good beer, and we we will see you next week right here on Ballads and Brews on KSF 785 Live Radio. You're broken down and tired of living life on the merry-go-round. You can't find a fighter, but I see it in you, so we gon' walk it out.
A thousand times again 